This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The founder of this company, 10 years ago, was trying to sell his house. He's, you know, he's kind of an important guy. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company and it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is, their word is their bond. And they are people that listen to this show. They are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. Realestateagentsitrust.com. This is episode 10 with Brady Middleton delivering On Purpose. This is On Purpose with Justin Barclay. Extraordinary stories of ordinary heroes on the Blaze Radio Network. Robbed at gunpoint delivering pizzas to pay for college. How did Brady Middleton find it in his heart to not only forgive his attackers, but become one of their mentors? His story made international headlines, surely made heads turn. But how did it change his life? And how can it change yours, too? Brady Middleton, welcome to the show. How you doing, Justin? Thanks hey, for having me. It's good to talk to you today. I, I uh, you know, like I said, no, I've known uh, Brady for a while now. And I think the first time I really got introduced to you, Brady, was, was through your story. And we've talked a little bit about it. It's just an amazing story. But let's, for, for people who haven't quite heard, um, you know, the full story, let's talk. Let's bring it back to... Uh, I know this is kind of rough for you at times, but let's bring it back mm-hmm. to that night um, where you're delivering pizza in college uh, to help pay for school, and you have the last house of the night that you're headed to where it all breaks loose. Mm, yeah. Um, uh, seven years ago, uh, June 16th, 2009, uh, it was actually before my first semester of college, and I just graduated two weeks prior from high school. and. Uh, I, it was the last delivery of the night on my first closing shift. I was, I was really excited about that too, because that's when you make the most monies at night. And <clears throat> I ended up, uh, it was an apartment complex that I was delivering to pulled my car up, hopped out of the car, brought the, the pizzas and the two liter Sprite to the front door. And I, um, I buzzed the buzzer to get entrance, uh, to gain entry. And as soon as I did, I heard a gun cock from my right and, Immediately, like my heart started racing, my stomach dropped, and by the time I fully turned uh, to look to see where the sound came from, the three men were already on top of me. Uh, the man in front uh, took his pistol and pistol whipped me above my my left eye. And this is good. it's not it's not a funny situation, but it's kind of uh, funny what I thought of as I'm falling down. I could feel uh, the blood start you know pouring out of where I was hit in my forehead and. <clears throat> I remember thinking, if I live, I hope I don't look like Harry Potter. <laughs> and I, I was worried about the lightning scar, and I don't know necessarily why or where that thought came from, but it was just it was it was interesting. And anyway, so I'm I'm on the ground. They proceed to rob me and um, take my money, take my uh, keys. Two of them start my car up. Uh, when one of them with the with the pistol, the one who hit me, he told me to stand up, and I. So I stood up and he maneuvered behind me and uh, told me to start walking. And I started walking and I probably took 10, 15 steps and I realized I, I can't see anything because all the blood in my eyes. Mm. And so, and so I, I wiped the blood away from my eyes and uh, I looked to my right and I saw my car being backed up. And I was like, that's kind of funny. There's three of them and the one's still behind me. Where's my car going? And I, I looked forward and I was my car was being backed up to uh, the edge of some trees and I was being walked in, uh, towards the woods and when I saw that it was in that moment that I knew like oh my gosh they're going to kill me and <clears throat> instinctively like it wasn't even a thought I just I I prayed I was like I, I remember specifically word for word the thought that popped in my head father if I'm going to die tonight I don't want to die alone just please be here with me and I was then proceeded to be marched out into the woods. The man um, with the gun ordered me to my knees and put the gun in the back, the, to the back of my head, and I asked him, are you going to kill me? And he said yes, and 
I wasn't expecting, I don't know, I guess vicariously to feel the squeeze of the trigger. And next thing I knew, he was running to my car. He hopped in, they sped off. Um, right after that, I got up, ran to the apartment complex, scared some old man half to death because I looked like I was straight out of a horror film, uh, called the police, uh, the paramedics arrived, um, and then I uh, called my, my parents. And I remember, it's my mom's birthday. And as the phone's ringing, I'm thinking in my head, please do not let my mom pick up. <clears throat> and she did, naturally. And she's like, hey, Brady. I was like, hey, mom, um, uh, is dad there? And she's like, yeah. And she's like, you know, it's kind of late. I was like, well, first, of all, mom, I wanted to tell you happy birthday. And she's like, oh, thanks. Thanks so much. And, um, I'm surprised I even remembered that because, frankly, to this day, Justin, I don't. Yeah, how? <laughs> I don't. I don't. I mean, even now, after bouncing back from the head injury, I don't remember my mom's birthday as much as I should. But <clears throat> anyway, uh, my dad got on the phone. I told him, "Hey, you got you got to get here. They, uh, they stole my car. I'm bleeding. I don't know how bad it is." Mm-hmm. And uh, I ended up getting 79 stitches above my left eye. Oh man! Uh, was diagnosed with a traumatic brain injury. Uh, and a severe concussion. Um, that night, the police officers uh, were actually trailing my vehicle within four minutes of the 911 call, and they arrested two of the three individuals. And um, I, I began that day waking up at 6 a.m., and I went to bed the next day at 6 a.m., so it was a, it was a very, very long day. <clears throat> um after that uh, uh, actually the day after the attack I was asked to go down to the police station to give my sta- my official statement and that's when I was informed that uh, one of the suspects got away and the, the one that did they think was the, uh, the one who brought me in the woods and they later confirmed that with fingerprint testing they lifted from the guns left in the car and um, I was also told that the third individual was the older brother of the two that they arrested and uh, also learned a very surprising fact that one of them was 13 years old and uh, it was actually his uh, we later learned it was his gang initiation uh, that was the reason why they attacked me and uh, so for the next eight months um, uh, I was basically living in fear because uh, the police officers and the police department also told me that there's a possibility for retaliation because it was gang um, uh, uh, gang related and the uh, individual who was on the loose was kind of like the leader around this area and uh, there were some rumors spinning around and I actually had a, had a phone call from a friend three days after the initial attack she called me at 7 7.45 in the morning um, uh, and she was crying and I picked up and I was like hey uh, Emily what's up and she she said Brady you gotta leave they're gonna kill you and like my, my heart started racing and my stomach dropped again because uh, we hadn't told very many people uh, in those three days uh, between the attack and when she was calling and I was like what do you mean Emily she's like uh, the bloods they're going to kill you I was like, I was like, Wait, like, how do you know that? And uh, her her boyfriend was living with a, a member of the gang, and they had had a meeting, according to her and some of the other rumors that the police um, picked up on, and he had put a hit out on my head, so I wouldn't testify against his brothers. So that uh, the next eight months until he was arrested by the U.S. Marshals was um, terrifying, to say the least. Um, and uh, the trial started after that about year, a year later. I had to testify against um, them in three trials. And the, the man who brought me in the woods, he ended up getting uh, 32 years in prison. The getaway driver uh, ended up getting 15 um, to 20 years in prison. And um, the juvenile... Um, because he was 13, he ended up getting tried as uh, as an, it was a quasi trial where he he had a he was found guilty and had a adult sentence of 15 to 30 hanging over his head. And uh, if that's if he failed his probation uh, terms. Now this is this part this phase you know, a year and a half later. Um, 
changed my life more drastically than the than the assault did, and. <clears throat> It's because during the getaway driver's sentencing, he um, when he took the stand to make a statement after um, I had given my victim impact statement, I could see him visibly, like I could see him with my eyes, just the the weight of the guilt on his shoulders, and it was uh, I did not expect to feel the emotions I felt um, when I when I witnessed it. And he 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 during his statement he apologized and he took full responsibility and he um understood that he uh, he he understood that i if i didn't forgive him he would totally understand and that his apology uh planted a seed inside of me which uh started to grow even though i didn't really realize it and um i was battling you know with the anger and um, frustration as a result because keep in mind too I had uh, in high school I had earned a basketball scholarship uh, full ride well near a full ride and because of the attack and the injuries I I wasn't able to play and I lost that scholarship so my whole life had been turned upside down and so I was, I was really struggling with that <clears throat> and during the juvenile sentencing that that seed had really blossomed and I remember when he took the stand after my victim impact statement, I just uh, seen him in front of the judge at 13 years old. It struck me. And the, the question and I remember vividly, how does a 13 year old get here? Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I don't know. I don't necessarily know why, uh, but I couldn't let that go. I couldn't let that question go unanswered. And I mean, there, there's certain things I'm very interested in that, uh, I mean, I guess it's in my character, but like I, I, this was something like, I mean, borderline, um, uh, I'm I, borderline obsessive. I mold over it and mold over it. And, uh, that question led me to, ended up leading me to fostering a relationship with, with him, the juvenile, his name's Marcellus. And, uh, through that process, uh, through, uh, his and I's friendship growing, um, I learned that he, he didn't grow up. He grew up without a father. Grew up in poverty. Grew up with the only structure that gave him support and belonging was the gang life. And I understood it. And through that interaction, uh, you know, and a lot of real conversations, because that's what it takes to to gain understanding. You can't sugarcoat anything. Um, I was able to myself find you know, you know emotional and. I would even qualify it as spiritual peace because, you know, after an event like that and after your life gets torn apart, you, you question everything. And um, I, I, I'm thankful that Marcellus was open to it. And, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's been a, f- a fantastic journey, but, I mean, it has a sad ending. And I'm not sure if I actually, uh, Justin, it's been a while since we talked, so I'm not even sure if I told you, but... Uh, this uh, in 2015 in August, uh, Marcellus was uh, found in violation of his probation and sentenced to uh, 13 years in prison. Oh man! Yeah. <sighs> no, we hadn't. Uh, we haven't talked about that part. Um, what What happened? Can you Can you talk about it? Yeah. Um, so keep in mind, this is it was six. Six, uh, yeah, six years after the initial uh, assault, um, you know, he and I had been um, working together for three and a half years at this point, and he had been doing fa- uh, fantastic and progressing. He ended up graduating high school uh, with above a three point He was uh, a couple hours away from completing his uh, uh, barber school and earning his certificate. He was mulling over moving and uh, starting college and actually moving in with me at Grand Valley State. And um, he ended, the, the way the system, the criminal justice system works, and it, it's very rigid, and it has a lot of positives and it has a lot of negatives. And part of the rigidness um, was exploited by s- people that were not um, employed by the system but involved intimately, and I'm not, I don't, you know, don't want to... Uh, name or get too more specific than that, but it was exploited in a way that uh, isolated him away from me. And um, 
the people who did it had a, a financial motivation for it and uh, ended up isolating him away from me and he ended up it was for six months so that, that was going on and I hadn't seen him in six months they were they I wasn't allowed to talk to him and um, he ended up hanging out with some of his friends not not the best crowd uh, he kept his nose clean though but it probably wasn't the best crowd he shouldn't have been running around with him but it was one night they were um, picking up a friend <clears throat> a police officer pulled them over because the driver which Marcel's I was not aware of had t- stolen his own father's vehicle and his father had reported it stolen. So that, that's, you know, that's a violation number one. And then upon searching the vehicle, there was a gun found. Oh. And uh, Marcellus was the only one with a prior and the police department in Kalamazoo uh, charged him with it, even though there was no fingerprints. And uh, there was a judge in Kalamazoo who ended up giving him a, uh, a Holmes Youthful Training Act plea, which uh, if you're below the age of 19 and you're found, uh, if you're found guilty of a felony, you can, um, depending on the charge, end up getting a uh, plea under that deal, and it will expunge that um uh, felony if you complete probation terms, um, but I mean, so that 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 took care of the the charge in Kalamazoo. But because he was on probation in Kent County here uh, in Grand Rapids, he uh, the youthful trainee, uh, the Holmes Youthful Trainee Act did not cover that probation violation. So I mean, what I'm saying is is, is basically a circumstance that was probably not wise. Are you still in contact with him? Uh, uh, yes, but it's been a while because prison phone calls cost a lot of money. So, yeah, it's been tough. Um, yeah, and it was it was it was very frustrating to see all that hard work go down the drain because of a technicality, which we'll talk more about. I think your you know the kind of work that you're doing today and 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 how you got there uh, coming up, but. I want to touch on this forgiveness, uh, you know, because you've you've really we've (laughs) covered a lot here Hmm. in the story and the ultimate theme of that forgiveness. How were you able to go? um, You know, I kind of joke about this, but, you know, most people can't forgive someone who cuts them off in traffic, you know, on the way into work in the morning or whatever. But how are you able to forgive uh, such a. A massive event that occurred in your life and the tragedy and all the pain that you would suffer through. Um, we'll talk about that coming up next. Brady Middleton joins us today. This is on purpose. You can get the full show notes at justinbarclay.com slash purpose zero one zero. We're back next. You're listening to On Purpose with Justin Barclay on the Blaze Radio Network. The Blaze Radio Network. Coming up today on Pat and Stu. It's like Mount Rushmore. They have four all the time. So, they just went so you got out. room for Will Chamberlain, mm-hmm. right? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, mm-hmm. and Michael Jordan. And Oscar Robertson. And that's it. Jerry West. And then but they have to take one down because it's like a little Mount oh, Rushmore. Yeah. They have to just like carve the face every time. Yeah. So they really want to make that decision hold. Pat and Stu. Weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Listening to On Purpose with Justin Barclay on the Blaze Radio Network. Okay, so most of us can't really forgive the person who cut us off in traffic. So, how do you forgive someone who was part of this robbing you at gunpoint, causing not just that immediate fear, but the subsequent fear and the pain that would last uh, throughout the next? several months if not years Brady Milton joins us right now and your story is really interesting Brady I got to tell you man the forgiveness part of this you you find it in your heart not only to forgive these these people who were part of this attack but then go on to mentor one of the boys who was a part of this attack you know how how can how can you describe that how I mean you 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 talked a little bit about 
seeing the guilt in the eyes and and how it was weighing on the other individual but you know how can you describe that for someone listening uh, well it was a process and the process was only uh, able to take place because I refused to accept this simple explanation. And what I mean by that is, uh, like, every day we see headlines or sound bites or little tweets um, that label people or simplify explanations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I guess the, the, and it's completely understandable for a person like who's been victimized. And I mean, I didn't really go into all the, the terrible effects too of the assault. I, um, not only did, you know stitches and uh, plastic surgery, uh, traumatic brain injury, but it took years of uh, physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy to relearn basically like the basic fundamentals of life. And um, I, I ended up battling a three-month bout of post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, it's no joke either. Um, and uh, anyway, uh, in, in the midst of all that, I. And people who experienced that or, or other forms of and negative effects of victimization, it's really easy to just to, just to dismiss the person or thing that caused it as being evil, or mm-hmm. they're just a terrible person, or you know the stereotypes. Right. Um, but for some reason, I couldn't accept that. I couldn't accept that this happened to me because these people were just bad people. Um, and so because I refused to accept the simple. The simple answer that that led me down this process of trying to figure out why or how. And <clears throat> whenever you're trying to figure something out, it means you got to pay like really close attention to it. And the more more attention you, you give something, the more complicated and bigger like bigger it gets. Yeah. And, and I mean, in, the, in my circumstance, I was focusing on a person. Yeah. And you know, when you couple that with face to face interaction, um, you start to see a lot of similarities. <laughs> and uh, being open to that was tough, but I, f- I feel like not having that answer or that question answered would have been tougher. How do you how do you bring someone or suggest? Because I think forgiveness or just the ability, you know, when we talk about the show, the show mm-hmm. name on purpose, and people to turn tragedy into triumph or or pain into purpose, and you've certainly done that. How do you? How do you explain the importance of that to other people that 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 they can use even the bad to find good? Mm. Well, it starts with purpose. Um, I, I mean, I purposed myself to find out why to answer that question. And so, uh, I mean, look at. What's another good example? I, I mean, there are, there's there's plenty of good examples. Individuals who who lose uh, a family member or someone's close to them to a disease, they go on to be a doctor and they fight it and they save people from it. And so, they, I, like, they purpose themselves to try to understand a problem, which ends up bringing about healing of that problem for not just themselves but others. And so, uh, so it sounds like it was a choice for you. It was, and I, I mean, to be honest, I had a lot of backlash from my family too and my friends, like people people close to me didn't fully understand it and i mean in the initial stages i didn't fully understand it but i just had i just i needed to understand why some why that happened to me i needed that question answered and i wouldn't stop until i got it and that took petitioning the court and uh it took time but you know, taking tragedy and turning it into triumph, uh, it's it's one hundred percent doable. Actually, I, I would say it is, um, and not not initially. It takes time, but being successful and turning tragedy into triumph is easier if it starts from tragedy, because that provides the motivation, and the fuel. And if you can take the fuel, the negative emotions, the negative energy, the pain, and you can turn it into something that's, you know, you can apply it to something like that. I mean, you either apply it to anger and it sits there and burns the rest of your life, um, or you turn it into something good and it can, I don't know, propel you to making, uh, you know, a career out of it or, 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 or changing someone's life. And, and it also sounds like you also refuse to be a victim. And and when I say victim, I mean you are in the definition of you are a victim of this situation. Mm-hmm. But you are you chose 
not to relinquish your power. You're not powerless. Yeah. Correct. And, and I kind of, uh, I gave a speech at a, uh, a criminal justice symposium uh, this past September about identity in the criminal justice system and how I went through a change of identities I, right after the event. Uh, well, before the event, I was an aspiring collegiate athlete. Afterwards, I was a victim. And there was an element of denial, too, where I was, you know, holding on to that power. But in all reality, that power I mean, it was stolen from me, Justin. And like the only way to get it back, truly get it back, was to heal that wound, was to no longer let that be a source of pain. And that required, um, in my case, uh, going down this road of restorative justice and forgiveness. And um, so I went from a uh, victim to uh no longer uh, having that pain and I ended up becoming what I, like, a, a restorer and mm. Marcellus discovered the same thing during his journey in, in, on his side of our interaction he like he had discovered that he was a victim of his like his upbringing and that's not an excuse for criminal behavior but it's it's contextual you have to understand that people are influenced and so the circumstances he, yeah you mean the environment and all those things yeah, and he understood that he was a victim of those things in, in, in many ways. And through our process of, of you know, growing together and you know, understanding, he realized that he doesn't have to be a victim anymore and he can be a restorer. It's so tough because that's not even the word. I guess the, the language victim, uh, it really says like uh, powerless, and that's not what it is. I, I think it's the exact opposite. I think yeah. being a victim makes you powerful. Well, you've... <laughs> You've made it that. But what I'm saying is that's what the language relates. Powerless. When mm-hmm. someone is a victim mm-hmm. of something, I can't do anything because, you see, I'm a victim. And a lot of times when I hear people make excuses for their circumstances or excuses for or you because you can either have excuses or results, you know, mm-hmm. in 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 whatever it is, business or or in your life. Let's say, you know, like your your physical, um, you know, your fitness, things like that. Right. You can either Mm -hmm. you can either say, well, you know, genetically, I just can't. And this Hmm. is the reason why. Or here's another reason why I can't do this. And and people, they can find those and they can Mm -hmm. they can lay into those and determine their identity because of those things. Yet you in your situation have said you've chosen. These things don't define me. My circumstances don't define me. What happened to me does not define me. I am more powerful because I choose it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. Again, I would put a caveat and a disclaimer saying, like, I didn't realize that necessarily in the moment all the time. Sure, absolutely <laughs> not. Yeah, I, I don't think you probably don't. You can't set off and say, well, you know, I mean, I, I think... Uh, because your process was so organic. I mean, it's easy for us to look back now, 2020, and go, well, mm-hmm. you know, here's what it was. But your or your process was so organic that, and I find this a lot of times when people are trying to accomplish something or they're trying to um, reach a goal, destination, whatever you want to call it, that the way is always through. And for you, it was through, through the healing, mm-hmm. through the process, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'd agree. Um, and, and now that being said, having that 2020 on uh, perspective, that hindsight, I find it easier now. It, it, it builds confidence. So like if I have other challenges, yeah, you know, school work, like other work, relationship work, mm-hmm. I, like I can lean back on that and say, you know what? Like I discovered this. I don't got to play the victim or have that kind of mindset and even the small things like I got this. And so mm. It's all about momentum, too, and recognizing that, hey, I mean, another thing I've I think I've I've talked to you about this before, but uh, we all do that all the time in our relationships. Like whenever there's an issue, we all like it with someone you care about. We we talk we talk about it, we confront it and we we take care of it and we move on. And so, like, if you change for me, changing my perspective uh having this hindsight 2020 like it it opened my eyes to all these other different times that i and other people like have done this and it builds even more confidence and it's a snowball rolling it sounds like it's changed your perspective Mm -hmm. 
but, and what's we're, possible. Yeah, and which, which is kind of why I said my victimhood made me instead of t- making me powerless, it made me powerful. And like again, that again, the process didn't really seem like that. But the hindsight is like, uh, it's it's crystal clear. Be, being a victim and um, not accepting the band aid fix, which again is tough. And sometimes you got to accept it for a time. Um, mm-hmm. I understand that too, but. When, you, when it's time to pull off that band-aid and, and really get down to, to fixing that problem, it makes you powerful. It motivates you. It's 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 fuel. Mm. Brady Middleton is who we're talking with now, and we'll talk a little bit more about how you can actually choose to see that. And what what does that? I mean, obviously for you, it didn't happen immediately. But um, how does that? How does that perspective that shift occur? Mm. Brady Middleton is our guest, and we're on purpose. If you want to get the full show notes, you can grab them at justinbarclay.com slash purpose zero one zero. And we continue right after this. Ordinary heroes walk among us every day. These are their stories. On Purpose with Justin Barclay on the Blaze Radio Network. The founder of this company 10 years ago was trying to sell his house. And went through real estate agent after real estate agent, and they were all talking a great game. And this guy who is selling his house, the founder of this uh, this company, he's you know he's kind of an important guy and kind of you know should get the best treatment. And he said to his wife, "If this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this?" So he started a company, and it went into business. I think three years ago. Their deal is their word is their bond. And they are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. We have a thousand agents across the country and they are people that listen to the show. And so when you go through real estate agents, I trust it's sent to somebody who already, you already know their sensibilities. They already are cut from exactly the same cloth. There's got to be a better way. There is real estate agents. I trust.com. Ordinary heroes walk among us every day. These are their stories. On Purpose with Justin Barclay on the Blaze Radio Network. You have more power than you even know. Always the power and the choice. What is this thing going to mean? And all, all, I guess all of us have things that happen to us. Tragedy. We have... Um, these things that happen in our lives and i think that is life right the things that happen it is really our choice that we get to decide and define what they mean right what does any of this mean that's living on purpose and brady middleton is our guest today of course brady was you know brady was robbed at gunpoint when he was delivering pizza to pay for college and he went on to uh not only forgive one of the the young men who robbed them at gunpoint and was a part of this gang initiation activity, but he then went on to become this kid's mentor, and that takes a lot of purpose. That takes a lot of attention. That takes a lot of living, um, just inspired in the in the spirit, so to speak. Brady, you've talked about this. Your faith. And what kind of a role it really played in this whole process? But can we kind of dig into that a little bit more? What What did your faith mean for for all of this? Um, that's a good question. Uh, it had a a you know directly right after I was attacked, um, my faith had been shaken, and, and not not in the sense of. Belief. I mean, I, 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 held, I never relinquished the belief in, in God, and um, but I, uh, the the faith in what that means and what He does and what He stands for, that was shaken, because uh, you know when you experience evil and terror like that so intimately, it 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 fundamentally shakes you, and um, again, you know, I did not allow myself to accept the the simple answer of you know god doesn't exist or god is evil or uh uh, or any of the other um answers i was very tempted to uh um 
accept. And yeah, because that's a question that people will ask a lot, like. What kind of a God would allow this? Or if God really exists, how come he would allow something like this to happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I, frankly, I asked that question. I asked him that question for years, and I still do. And, uh, I mean, when I see uh, things like that are going on in Syria or, I don't know, traveling down to you know inner city of Grand Rapids and I see somebody homeless, um, you know, you, you, it's, it's still, I still ask that question. But what I've learned is... <laughs> And again, hindsight is twenty twenty. I didn't realize it in the moment, but mm-hmm. and I, it's kind of cheesy. But like, we are made in the image of God to be the agents or the hands and His hands and feet, if you want to accept that that phrase. And I, uh, you know, not being human and not being perfect. Um, if if God is to love me, then He's got He's got to uh, meet me where I'm at. And it's funny that that's kind of what I did with Marcellus. And so I rediscovered and restored, like my faith was was restored after I'd walked through the, you know, the valley of the shadow of, of death for years and looked back and said, oh, my goodness, like God does exist because look what, ter- look, look what this terrible, you know, not just exists, but like God, God does heal. He does restore. Mm-hmm. Because look at this terrible situation. I didn't do this. Like I mean, I did. I consciously. I like. You know, what I mean, it's hard to keep something going in a, in a straight direction. And like, I mean, I could never have controlled the complete outcome, but like, the outcome was beautiful and restoring. And so, um, the actual uh, mechanism of faith during all of that was not being afraid to challenge god either and what i mean that was all cerebral but uh actually looking at some of the notions i had thought were true and challenging them because that's what my experience did and uh it's kind of what um i mean uh abraham did it when god, when god told him that he was going to destroy sodom and gomorrah abraham said oh really god what if there's 20 righteous people in the city you can destroy them too and you know he he repeatedly did that, and right. God 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 made concessions. And so I'm not really looking at that. I mean, Jesus Himself did it. Hey, is there any other way we can do this? I really don't want to die. <laughs> so like that that process of, and I think that's like uh, that challenging is the ultimate form of respect. It's it's a dialogue. Real it's, faith. Yeah, and so it was through that that process which was scary because you know i grew up in a very conservative christian home and um some of the things that i had learned uh, were presented to me and i had learned where you know you, you know don't question god god's absolute and i found myself having to question everything and i'm i i came full circle and i have a much fuller appreciation and so i like that's that's the main role um that's the mechanism and, and the result of what not lose. I mean, it felt like there's times I lost a faith, but I, I didn't. It was actually walking on water is kind of how I think of it now. And I, uh, again, talk about hindsight 2020. If you take a moment and look back on your life, you will see times, maybe not as terrifying, but times where we all do that. We all like, we all have walked down water, gone through something we didn't know how. And we come to that, that, mm. that, that circle around about conclusion and we're better for it. And, you know, having that perspective, counting that kind of blessing makes you, again, it's a snowball effect. It makes you confident and makes you appreciative. And again, that makes you powerful. Do you feel like you're stronger, your faith, your relationship stronger now because of it? Uh, yeah. Unequivocally. Um, I the, the, and I, I don't know if I'd say stronger because I mean the questions and doubts still come all the time and I said that but convicted I'm assured and that makes that makes me more bold and and bold as into like not necessarily just talk about it but uh, to act on it and uh, before the the previous break. Um, uh, you, you were uh, you, you. We were talking about how actually to 
do or, or take a bad thing and like mix it with purpose and make it into something good and like how can you make that mental switch and it's really tough to do in a vacuum and so uh, the example I use is uh, on Facebook and uh, the millennials predominantly but on facebook you'll see these viral uh videos and these trends that really uh, feature people either suffering or somebody doing a good work and what makes them viral and spread so fast is is people seeing the faces and hearing the voices of either the hurting or or the the caring and Mm. it affects them and they want to support that and they want to do that that's the power of bernie sanders and i mean he, what he's talking about as is it's powerful um i i don't necessarily politically support bernie but he's uh you know it's so funny that you're saying this because i was just having this conversation earlier today is that and i'll say this and i, I think you and i are probably pretty close on this but uh i said you know bernie just strikes me as a nice guy <laughs> and he also strikes me as a guy who really believes in what he's saying and what he's doing mm-hmm. now i don't politically align with his views and i think a lot of his uh views are, are probably uh, you know pretty often the other question is i would ask him is like how are you going to pay for that <laughs> but, <clears throat> but i just there was a video that i saw and maybe you saw this too there's a video where bernie is standing on stage giving a speech and somebody off kind of stage faints this now look man i've seen a lot of people i know people <laughs> and i can you know i'm pretty good judge of of somebody just from dealing with people throughout the years right this was not rehearsed this was not planned it was completely candid and in the moment and what does he do he runs over and checks on them there's like five (laughs) ten people around this person but he runs over like you can tell he's like seriously concerned Mm -hmm. and to me that said it all in the 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 defining of the character you, you 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 see what when people are in the moment, their character is revealed by those mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's interesting that you mentioned Bernie, because I think a lot of that, yeah, it, it, if you look at the political landscape and what's happening this campaign season, I think that does resonate with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And 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 knowing that and recognizing that you can you can use that to help you facilitate that that mental switch. And uh, the way I did it was you know through face to face interactions to try to understand. Like it tugs on your emotions. It can it can make you really mad. I mean, look at when Bernie Sanders supporters and Trump supporters meet face to face. It's not necessarily pretty all the time, but uh, you know. <clears throat> When you go into those situations consciously with the with the purpose of understanding or you know trying to understand what you want to get out of it, understanding typically is um, the, the best thing to, to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Then yeah. then you then you're better able to uh, manage those emotions, manage, manage those reactions, the good ones and the bad ones, and direct them. And so like that's how I um, came to learn how to harness that uh, the power of interaction. And, you know, what you what you spend time looking at to help facilitate mental switches and, you know, and flips and guide that motivation, guide that emotional energy and into where you want to go. So what do you recommend people look at or spend time because environment sounds like it's a big part of it. What, what are you what are you saying? Um. <clears throat> So, you know, I don't want to get uh, too political, but like back to Bernie Sanders, what he's saying is powerful and it's it's getting people fired up because it resonates with their heart, his message. Mm -hmm. Um, Or here's another example, the the Syrian refugee crisis and uh, people uh, care and they want to support the people who need that help. Now, I would say, what about the um, the drug addicts and the homeless people in your own city? Or what about the uh, the victims of uh, uh, domestic abuse who are in isolation, who need all those same help, but no one's doing it? And so it's I mean, those are things that really like fire up my heart is uh, helping people like that. And instead of sitting on my computer and watching those videos, you know, sometimes I do. Sometimes I share. I try to put myself in situations where I, I'm around it. And so that um, putting yourself in a position of, uh, I mean, really trying to uh, 
put yourself in a place in an environment where you can be inspired to mm-hmm. continue on that direction. And you know, the people you surround yourself with, they make you, they mold you. And so I, I guess, uh, whatever switch and whatever direction you want to go in, make sure you're around those people and those environments. Not only that, but get into action. Like you said, I mean, um, when you get into the action of doing, especially if you do like a random act of kindness, you know, people talk about that, but it doesn't have to be as, you know, as, uh, as maybe as, you know, yeah. feeding the homeless or whatever. It could just be something as simple as smiling and saying hello to a stranger mm-hmm. or leaving a really nice tip or a note for a waiter or waitress, something simple. It's the humanity. It's the connection that we have. It's that that uh, that knowing that we're all in this together. And I think what I see in you and when I hear your story, especially this is something that I don't think I've noticed before, but today hearing it, th- what what actually charged, I think, started the spark was you just connecting with another human being. And that, to me, is the saddest thing about how divided we are as a country and as, as humans, as people, mm-hmm. is that we are so divided, but we have so much more in common yep. than we really even imagine right now. Yep. I was, I was actually sitting in uh, class two weeks ago, and my, my, one of my, my professors poses that very question, how divided, how polarized is America? And um, my classmates all said incredibly polarized. We have uh, way less in common than we do than we have uh, indifference. And I, I, I actually said what you just said. I said we have way more in common, and we will always have way more in common than we do that divides us. It's what a human di- experience, right? Mm-hmm. And it's what you focus on yeah. is what determines. <laughs> It's so true, man. You get what you focus on, you get more of. Brady Middleton is our guest today on Purpose. And, uh, Brady, uh, I'd love to hear a little bit more about what you're up to now and, and how this has brought you full circle and, and how you've turned tragedy into triumph. And this, this gang initiation uh, gone wrong, this, this moment where you're robbed at gunpoint and how that's completely transformed your life what you're up to now and i know it's just the beginning we'll talk a little bit more about that with brady middleton next you get the full show notes find out all about the resources how to contact brady and everything at justin barclay.com slash purpose zero one zero extraordinary stories of ordinary heroes this is on purpose with justin barclay on the blaze radio network don't miss the morning blaze with Doc and Skip. A Concord, North Carolina man was arrested for not returning a rental movie from 2002. Uh, so the officers, I don't know to tell you, but there's a warrant out for your arrest from 2002. Apparently you rented the movie Freddy Got Fingered and never returned it. I can see as he's being like, like pulled away to tell him it was Casablanca. <laughs> the morning blaze with Doc and Skip. Weekday morning, 6 to 9 Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Extraordinary stories of ordinary heroes. This is On Purpose with Justin Barclay on the Blaze Radio Network. Robbed at gunpoint, delivering pizza to, to uh, pay for college. And uh, such a tragic and a traumatic event. How could that possibly lead to forgiveness? How could that possibly lead to good? And what is Brady Middleton using that power for? Today, uh, we join uh, Brady today on purpose. Brady, uh, man, I appreciate you being on the show with us and again talking a little bit about your story. But most importantly, you know, not just where you've been, but where you are now and where you're going. What are you up to nowadays? I know you've really interesting ran for public office. How old were you when you when you did that? 
Uh, 20, uh, 23, I turned 24 two weeks before the election. I um, I ran for, for state rep uh, here in uh, a, a district in West Michigan. So a lot of people think, well, you know, I could never do that or I could never, you know, I, my, that's my thought process. I tell my wife, like, no, I could never run for anything. All the skeletons and everything that's buried in my... But you actually did it. You know, you actually stepped up and said, I'm going to make it. A lot of people like to talk about this, but you said, I want to be a part of the process. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, uh, and, well, first and foremost, I learned uh, early in my basketball days that if you ever want to uh, learn something new or get better at something, you really got to risk looking like an idiot or a fool. You got to risk failing. And uh, I went into that, uh, that campaign with that, with that, with that uh, mindset. I knew that there are a lot more people in this in this primary that probably know way more policy, have way more life experience. You know, being older. They're, I think the next oldest person was double my age. Um, they're all pro- they're all going to have way more money than me. Um, but I didn't let that deter me. And um, you know, at the end of the day, to be good at anything, you really. Um, the, again, uh, we keep hitting on this theme, but what connects all of us is, is people. And so you can be the smartest person on the planet, but if you can't connect with somebody and you don't know people, you're not going to be good at what you do. Mm. And um, anyway, being willing to jump in and look like a fool um, ended up being one of the best experiences of my life. I, uh, I, I've said I've never had more fun paying to spend 12 hours a day working. <clears throat> um and that ended up leading yeah. to a, a slew of other different opportunities that I I never thought were possible. Uh, I never thought would I was not even in my conscious. I never never thought about and um, really you know summarize what started from a terrible terrible uh, traumatic experience mm-hmm. um, by refusing to accept a simple answer. Uh, and and really uh, purposefully trying to understand uh, ended up bringing me to a, uh, to a, this 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 election this campaign that allowed me to kind of put it all together and resulted in um, you know up until this point during this campaign I mean I really didn't talk about my you know my interaction with Marcellus or whatnot I didn't want to make it a political issue but a, a reporter from Grand Rapids picked up on it and uh, she ended up writing an article and. And it went world. It went viral worldwide in like two weeks. Yeah. Blew my mind. And I ended up four months later. I was uh, in Lansing, um, working with a internal panel of the Michigan Department of Corrections on internal reforms that they can implement to make the criminal justice system operate um, more efficiently and more restorative and be more effective. And you know, again, I don't. I never. I've never had policy experience in that area. And here I was, uh, nose deep. And the feedback I got uh, weeks later. From from people I that weren't even in the meeting, the people I did not even know knew I went said that it was incredibly beneficial, and um, just like seeing the well, two a week after that, uh, Governor Snyder's office called and um, let me know that they were working on uh, reforming Michigan's criminal justice system, not just internally, but the the whole system from the bottom up, and mm-hmm. they they wanted to get my perspective, and uh, again. Here I was, 24 at the time, zero policy experience, and I have an opportunity to uh, provide some insight and, and impact um, potentially the you know some changes, and it, it then led to a cascading effect. And uh, I've been working uh, now for about a year, yeah, a year this month on uh, criminal justice reform in Michigan and uh, around the nation, and trying to make the. Uh, the system more uh, people oriented and restorative and I you know when I went into college when I you know when I was 18 I wanted to become a doctor uh, a podiatrist and I would never have thought I would be meeting with governor's offices and working with national nonprofits on reforming criminal justice and just shows you know, again, not accepting the easy answer and purposefully trying to understand something and applying yourself can lead you. Um, I mean, I love what I'm doing now. It can be incredibly frustrating because politics is politics, but it's rewarding and mm. I'm, I'm, I'm blessed for it. So sounds like it's your passion. It is. I, I mean, I, 
people are physically in prison and Michigan ha- or not Michigan the United States has the highest incarceration rate of any not any but um, major we incarcerate people at a higher rate than Iran incarcerates people and that's a uh, authoritarian autocracy or a theocracy and why is uh, that <sighs> that's a great question um, in the 70s we uh, we adopted well first and foremost uh, the war on drugs which I don't know if you saw but last month a Nixon aide came out and said that they implemented the war on drugs for a uh, to suppress the African American vote and um some of the community and progressive leaders. It was, a, it was a political tool, which has resulted in millions of people being incarcerated mm-hmm. and millions of families being infected and millions of people walk around with felonies on their record where they can't get jobs. And we're not talking about violent criminals. We're talking about people with possession. Um, so that was a start of it. And then, two, it was easier for politicians to sell the public um, the message of, hey, don't worry about it, we'll take care of it. And what they do is they remove the problem, and the people never see it again. But it's ballooned into a $80 billion a year problem at the federal level, and in Michigan, $2 billion a year. And it's an ineffective. Um, the uh, incarceration has been shown not to improve uh, recidivism rates. It actually makes recidivism worse because it further ingrains the criminal mentality. And um, you know, you can go into the psychology of it and the you know the generational effect of it. But uh, well, you know, it also makes me think forgiveness on a larger scale. What that means. Hmm. Um, yeah, you know, because you're personally able to forgive, but as a society, are we able to forgive people? Uh, and we, you know, we love to give certain celebrities and et cetera certain different second chances. But you know, to hear the story of how the young man who was involved in the attack you mentored and had forgiven, how he ends up back in the system, how that helps him or us, hmm. right? I don't, I don't see it. See, um, it gets even worse too. Uh, I, when the judge was, uh, well, the judge's hands was was tied because of, it was yeah. legislatively determined. I call it legislative overreach in these in these areas. But um, uh, I I was able. I was actually. Um, I, I don't know if this has ever happened before, but being the victim in the case, I was called as a witness for the defense, oh. and. Uh, I informed the court before the decision was made, which, you know, before it was already made, but I informed the court that Marcellus would be spending 13 years in prison at $32,000 a year to the taxpayer's expense instead of going to school with me and working on a television show with a major uh, uh, television network, which would highlight the show, which um, ended up having to be uh, canceled and, and not, not being, you know, going to the next stage of production because of, uh, Marcellus's incarceration and some other factors, which I, I, I'm not at the liberty to explain, but um, the whole orientation of it was to show the nation what restorative justice looks like in the prisons. And so because of a, uh, a lack of um, understanding and a lack of humanity in an inhuman system, and, uh, I, in my opinion, the nation was robbed of seeing the power of restorative justice. So I hope next, we have another opportunity for it, but <clears throat> I think the next question is, what will you do about it next? That's 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 a great question, and frankly, I've been I've been trying to figure that one out. I'm sure you will, and I got to tell you, I mean, it's uh, not only am I, you know. Uh, just really honored to talk to you, Brady. But I'm also uh, I'm really happy to call you a friend, and and uh, I really look forward to what you will do and and how you will continue to uh, tell your story and 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 help others through this story. Because I think a lot of people um, are helped not only through this but through your journey. Because you're you're just you're just starting. I know it's, it's, it probably feels like you've been through a lot already, but this is just the beginning. Uh, yeah, I actually, um, uh, and I'll, I'll end on this. The day I was assaulted, I was, I started off, I mentioned earlier, I started off at 6 a.m. Uh, that morning, hmm. and I was in a field uh, picking rocks uh, with my buddy on his, on his, uh, his family's uh, farm, and 
we were picking these giant rocks out of this field because uh, or to clear the way for the combines come to harvest because you know sure. the rocks get stuck in the combines and break down and we d- we did it for eight or nine hours and it was a hot June day dusty sweating we were grumpy and I don't remember which one of us said this first but um, uh, I think it was I think it was Joey who said it first my friend and he said although I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I shall fear no evil and it was perfect because mm-hmm. it felt like the work was death and <clears throat> uh, before I arrived at the address that night li- literally a minute to two minutes before that verse popped in my head and I laughed and I said it out loud and I laughed again and then two minutes later I was on the ground with a gun in my head but I, th- I say this because the symbolism is beautiful that verse came to me when I was in a field preparing the field for a harvest and I, you know, I'm about to graduate from, uh, from my undergrad with my undergraduate degree this Saturday. And it's taken me seven years because of all of this. And it's been seven years of picking rocks out of my life to prepare for a harvest. And so I totally understand what you mean by, you know, just getting started and it's hopeful, but uh, I, I wrote in a, one of my papers for my finals that you know the season of um, picking rocks is over. Uh, it's springtime here in Michigan. It's, it's a season of growth. And so I appreciate it, Justin. Um, it's always a blessing, and uh, I hope to, we can do this again sometime soon. Brady Middleton, thank you, brother. Where can folks find out more about you and, and get in touch and maybe want to hear more about your cause and what you're working on? Uh, Twitter and Instagram, uh, my handle, uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat, my handle is um, at Planet Brady. Um, my website is www.bradymiddleton.com. And uh, I have links to other areas of uh, communication and connection on there. Brady Middleton, thank you, brother. I appreciate you being with us and sharing your story on purpose. Thank you. A powerful show that really hits home today. You can get the full show notes. Find out more about how you can get in touch with uh, Brady and find out what he's up to at justinbarclay.com slash purpose zero one zero. That's justinbarclay.com slash purpose zero one zero. And as always, join our VIP all access newsletter where you get exclusive info, literally dozens of ways that you can get more freedom and live your life on purpose. Text the number 44222. That's the number 44222. And put in my name, Justin. When you do, it'll text back and ask for your email address. Shoot that back. And you're in. Until next time, cheers to you and your life on purpose. Purpose.